It don't take much to please me Still homes are never satisfied like the stones So don't get don't bite and see them skull and crossbones Protecting what I'm writing Don't clash with the titan Who blast with a license To kill rap recitants Come on, in the zone with your nigga from the group home To cap your lifestyle Put your lights out Get this shit cracking Got you feeling with your pipes out Time for some action Surfing the avenue Mad at you Where I used to battle crews Back when that's when that Had that attitude Cover me, I'm throwing it Walls closing in Got us busting off these pistols My hitting has got issues again Same song Yo, I was going to, but we roamed Cellular phones, doc meth, back in the flesh Blood and bones, don't condone Spin bank loans and homegrown Suckers break like turbo and ozone When I grab the broom, moonwalk, platoon hawk My goons bark, leave you in the blue lagoon Lost, true, we nines in the club With mass suit, these nine in the club Right behind on the bars Haters don't touch, way is both up Now my neighbor doped up, got the cable hooked up All channels, lift my shirt, all mammal You ship off keys and we ship Uh, all right, there. Can you hear me now? Oh well, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that, y'all. Somebody been in here messing with the uh, messing with the board, so uh, I, I do apologize for the technical difficulties. Let's get Joe Kelly right back on the line. This is Rashawn Myers. Wake up, five hundred two ninety six point one Big X Sports Radio. Uh, it is going down on a Saturday morning, January seventh, twenty twenty three. Let's go ahead and try to get Joe back on the line. Joe, you with me? All right, I think we're working now. Yeah, hey, Joe, that was not you. That was literally all me. Somebody uh, been in here messing with the soundboard. So trust me, the same way you was hearing me, uh, everybody on the radio was hearing me the same way. So, yeah, that, that wasn't your connection. That was uh, uh, all, all mine over here. <laughs> these, these lousy, no-good tricksters. <laughs> I know. I say, so, so, so some gremlins been jumping up and down on the soundboard in here. This is, you know, we at the, uh, what they call the OG Studios over here in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And, like, this soundboard is, like, WKRP in Cincinnati, like, definitely, like, 1972, <laughs> brand new. So, you know, you have certain buttons you push, you have certain buttons you don't push, and somebody pushed the button that you don't push, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah, was it's, it's, 
it is the old school studio where you're like, what is this function on the board? And you're like, no, it's actually an ashtray. Right. <laughs> everything in the 19, everything built in the 1970s had an ashtray affixed to it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, 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 of course, uh, Joe Kelly at that boy's good on Twitter. Uh, j- joining me today, Haven Harrington uh, will be along shortly um, as well. And Joe, I tell you what, man, we got so many things to get into. Uh, Louisville, uh, we, we're going to talk about uh, moral victories and uh, what that looks like for Louisville basketball um, as they head into their game versus Wake Forest today. Uh, Jeff Brom is absolutely killing the game on the recruiting trail at the University of Louisville. We're going to get into that. We have two participants, two two heavyweights, ready to show down on Monday night in the college football national championship game. Um, I want to talk to you definitely about uh, what we saw last weekend uh, in in those national semifinal games, um, you know, I, I I have thoughts, Joe. I, I know we're going to have uh, uh, Leanne Herring to join us as well uh, to get her thoughts on the games as well as uh, our picks for the national title game um, as uh, Georgia tries to repeat as champions taking on TCU. Um, so we're going to get into that and much much more. But I, I tell you what, Joe, we're going to definitely go ahead uh, and get started by. Talking about this basketball team, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I know uh, my man Mike Rutherford, <laughs> he tries to do everything he can do to avoid talking about the basketball team. Um, I, I, I think that's, in my personal opinion, I feel like it's counterproductive. I think you have to talk about it. I think there's a lot of things that you can talk about and look at and analyze. Like, I understand that the season's not going well, um, but just from individual player perspective, uh, you know, um, stra- strategic perspectives, um, coaching perspectives, there's still a lot of things that you can take out of it um and and i want to talk to you Uh, of course uh louisville took on syracuse on uh, tuesday evening Um, it was another game where where louisville um i tell you what for the first time versus a a you know a a quote-unquote power five team um louisville had an actual opportunity to to win the game um, you know, Jim Beheim brought the orange guys down here. Uh, they, they had opportunity after opportunity. Louisville loses the game as L. Ellis, uh, you know, got the ball tipped away at the buzzer after a crazy sequence at the end of that game. Let me ask you something because this is what I saw. Okay, I, I saw a team that had an opportunity. Um, there was a lot of mistakes. Uh, still had 21 turnovers. Um, you know, I think 15, 15, 14 or 15 of those were in the first half. So you can say that, well, in the second half they got better. They only turned it over six times. The unfortunate part was like three of their six turnovers came in like the last minute and a half, <laughs> which uh, greatly impeded their opportunity to win. Um, but, you know, they definitely play hard, played hard for 40 minutes, um, and they definitely had an opportunity to win that ACC game, which is something that, you know, are going to be few and far between. But what I want to ask you, Joe, is what I saw in the aftermath on Twitter was a lot of people celebrating the fact that Louisville played hard and the fact that they had a close game that they almost won. And I don't know how to feel about that because it's good to see that the team played better, but the outright celebration like this was some huge breakthrough. Like, what, what do you think about that? This is, it's just, it's indicative of how, how beaten down and downtrodden this fan base is. Because something my father used to preach to me is in this household, we don't celebrate moral victories, son. Uh, and that's what the U of L fan base is. We have been reduced to a, to a fan base 
It says, well, gee golly, guys, at least we played hard for 40 minutes. Yeah, but we once again reinvented the wheel of stupidity and figured out a new way to lose a game. That's what I see with, with this team, is that we just reinvent the wheel of stupidity to run ourselves over once again. And we come up with very creative ways to run ourselves over. That final possession the other day, can all, the other night against Syracuse, can only be described as, well, they pissed down their leg again. <laughs> That's the only way you can describe it. You know, I'll, I'll give a churched up version of the tweet that I sent out. I've never seen an elephant try to hump a football while riding a motorcycle, but I think I know what it looks like now. <laughs> that last possession was so sloppy. Yep. Nothing about that looks like an organized team that has been through practice that is in January of a season. You know, if, if, if this is where I'm, I am with Kenny. Yeah, I'm not celebrating moral victories in January. This is this is BS, man. This is just nonsense. And and the fact that some people are willing to do that just shows how far the standards for U of L basketball have fallen. And that's not all on Kenny. That that's a that, this is a long term residual effect of of the last. I don't know. How long has it been, Rashawn? Five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's been and you know what it I don't even know it's been like like people keep people keep going to back to the five year number. I don't even think it's been five years. It's been you know, it's it's been like what because the COVID year, the, the year that Louisville didn't have a tournament, that was still a good season. the the Louisville fans may have gotten grumbly and mad because Louisville um, you know, uh, had you know about a 500 record in the month of February as they closed the stretch, and they tried to kind of use that as an argument. While you know Chris Mack, uh, you know, wasn't the greatest coach, but I will also add that the ACC severely backloads U of L schedule to basically make them play all the best teams in the conference twice in the month of February, which had a lot to do with that, by the way. Um, but I, I really and truly like that was still a good season. They they had a they were in position to be a high seed after making the tournament the year before so I mean I, I think that the that year was a good year so I think the year that they missed the tournament and then of course ultimately last year so I'd say two years uh plus this year so you know what are you talking about three years of of tough basketball See, but, but but I just but I, I have to disagree with you there man because okay. again and maybe maybe I'm just being pompous and maybe I'm being arrogant as a Louisville fan but football I'm, I'm fine with making excuses and I'm fine with with all the all the chatter because football is a whole different animal. Yes, if you're not a blue blood, you know that. That's why, honestly, despite the fact that uh, humble brag here, I told everybody, I told all of our loyal listeners back in what August, it's Georgia versus the world in football this year. I, I don't care. Go on and, and and etch Georgia in the college football championship. Like etch that out in stone. I don't know who they're going to beat for the championship, but they're going to beat somebody for it. Yeah, yeah. Football, you've got to be, you've got to have that name recognition. That's why it's so exciting to see TCU in it. Absolutely. Um, basketball, no. Uh-uh. Basketball is a completely different, different animal, and the expectations for Louisville basketball, for me personally, are not anywhere near what what UFL football is. UFL football is where I, I will take moral victories and go, <laughs> they gave us a shot, stupid. Don't ever give us a shot. 
we'll, we'll show up and wreck your party. Yeah. Basketball, we are the party. We're one of those programs where I, I, I'm not going to say we had a good season, even though we, did, we didn't make the tournament for whatever reason. If the UFL basketball doesn't make the tournament, it was not a good season. Yeah. yeah was, well, there's well, nothing you take from that. There's no, nothing positive other than you better get your act together next year, Coach. Well, I, I agree with that, but, I mean, the only reason Louisville didn't make the tournament two years ago is because there wasn't an NCAA tournament because of the COVID shutdown. So, you know, I mean, I can't, can't, I can't take that against um, Chris Mack because, I mean, Louisville's going to be a two or a three seed. So, you know, it wasn't like they were in jeopardy of making, of not making the tournament. You know, they, they had a good year. They were ranked number one that year. I still count that as a good season. Now, of course, the year where they missed the tournament, where they were, you know, the last seed not to make it, I utterly right. think that was bull crap anyway. I thought that Louisville had a better resume than several of the teams that made it. But, you know, when you have... Uh, but Louisville should never be in the... It's, it's kind of like when you say the rest screwed us. Well, why'd you put yourself in a situation to get screwed yeah, I mean, and, and that was a tough season because you did lose, what, 10 games to COVID, 12 games to COVID uh, stoppages that you didn't get, that you didn't play. I mean, so it was a it was a tough season all around, but at the but end of the day. But everybody had to deal with that. No, I, no, I agree. Everybody was dealing but, with But, you know, of course you could be like Kentucky who just never, literally never reported any of their COVID uh illnesses and just basically played all their games anyway, which I wish Louisville <laughs> I hate to say that, that sounds awful, but uh, I, you know I wish they would have done something along those lines because maybe if you play those extra 8, 9, 10 games uh, you know, you have 6 or 7 more wins, then it's a no doubt uh, that you made it. I mean, Sure, sure but, but, but I'll, I'll, we can go one step further and I'll say maybe if you don't hire a head coach whose favorite uh, musician is Kid Rock and his favorite meal is a Whopper <laughs> Then we don't deal with this stupidity of, of <laughs> I can't figure out how to keep my kids from getting infected. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, Chris Mack, it's not like you're the only coach in America dealing with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris Mack definitely was not at the forefront of handling things well. On Chris that. Mack took, <laughs> took everything very kid rockish. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like I told people at that opening press conference, man, when he mentioned Kid Rock, I said, "Oh no." Oh, no. <laughs> this guy is the cousin that we don't invite to cookouts. I mean, the dude had a Jumpman logo tattoo. He had a Shaquille O'Neal Dunkman logo yes. tattoo. Yeah, so, you know, that, that's, that's and, what and, you and he inked a $14 million deal, and we had <laughs> Yahoo's in the fan base screaming about, he's just like us. He drives a pick-em-up truck and eats whoppers. <laughs> and I'm like, that's because we don't have $14 million options. <laughs> um, this is our life that we've we've just made decent, you know. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I mean this and, man is out here choosing whoppers but, with fourteen M's in the bank. But Joe, even with that being said, and everything that 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 Louisville's been through, you know, the aftermath of that, we understand where we've come from and where we are now. But even with all of that, I'm not going to celebrate almost beating Syracuse. Like, I have not gotten so downtrodden and beaten down that now I'm going to sell. Like, it's okay to say, you know what, the guy's improved, but you know what, you should play hard all the time. Haven Harrington, you're, you're joining us as well. Um, I, I, I really believe that the team went overboard or excuse me, not the team. The, the you know the, the a lot of these fans out here went overboard in their celebration of losing to a a, a below average Syracuse team. Let's not get it twisted. That Syracuse team. Is, they're not going to be a tournament team. They're not going to be a tournament team. They lost to them at home. Like I'm not going to celebrate that. 
you watch basketball a lot closer than I do. Haven and I are football guys. I know basketball is your thing. I'm not trying to just be all negative on Kenny, but was that not the sloppiest zone you've ever seen Syracuse running? Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't. Of of old Bayheim teams. I mean that, that Syracuse team. Syracuse team is very young. They have a lot of young players. Yeah, they have a, a an old man in Joe Girard that plays like you know the the, the one really good dude at the Y that they, they let shoot the ball thirty five times and he kind of did his YMCA thing, hit a bunch of shots and killed Louisville. He scored twenty six points against U of L um, in, in the game. Or excuse me, twenty eight points. I showed him two points. Twenty eight points. But you can't let that guy, the, the YMCA guard, go. 28 points on 7 of 18, shooting 4 of 8 from 3 and 10 of 11 from the free throw line. Like, that dude, that's the one dude that you knew could beat you out there. And Louisville let the one dude they knew could beat them beat them. Now, Haven Harrington, like, am I wrong in getting on Louisville about that, you know, that, like people seem to be celebrating the fact that they lost to this team at home. You know, it's, it's not the fact that they're celebrating they lost with the celebrating is the fact that they actually see the team play hard with hustle for 40 minutes. And I, I, I know as a diehard Louis aficionado, as somebody who believes that we are one of the top seven programs, basketball programs all time in the country, that we are, in fact, indeed a blue blood when it comes to college basketball. I mean, but the fact of the matter is that We've started this season just so horribly, <laughs> just so horribly, and just so inexcusably bad that you know the fans are, are sitting there grasping at straws, this is grasping reasons to celebrate. And the reason to celebrate is we lost by one point. Where a lot of people, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of fans thought that we was going to get, they was going to lose by 15, 20 points. So a one point loss, a one point loss is like a victory. Like, when you come into the game thinking, yeah, we're going to get bust by 15 a week, Syracuse. Yeah, we're going to get bust by 20 to the Wake Forest. We'll probably get bust by 15, 20 by every team in the ACC. Then, like, the team shows fight. They show spunk. Yeah, they're sloppy, but they're actually moving on the offense instead of standing around waiting for LLS to do something. And they don't lose by one point. Yeah, it's a victory. See, but and I think that's my problem because this is a Syracuse team, Joe. Check this out, and Haven. This is a Syracuse team that lost at home by 12 to Colgate. Okay, timeout. No, time you know what? <laughs> no, 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 time they out. make you know toothpaste, what? Haven. You know what? Time out. They I'm, make toothpaste. Time out. I'm, I'm going to stop right there. This goes back to a tweet I put out a couple of weeks ago with the yeah, famous man. theme from, uh, I do believe it was, uh, what was that TV show that, that uh, they had that uh, the theme I, I grabbed this gift from? Um uh, but it's just escaping me. It's, it's, it's one of the sketch comedy shows back from the mid-90s. Right? From, actually, from the late 90s, early 2000s. Anyway. And the, the whole thing, the whole theme was this dating website called Lord Expectations. <laughs> and that was the theme. was this Lord Expectations. <laughs> and that's where we are, man. I'm not doing it. But see, I'm, and hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lower my expectations. You know what? Louisville lost to a team that lost by 12 to a team that makes toothpaste. Dude, time they out. They also no, lost time to out. a team that time lost out. at home to Bryant. Time out. We lost to a team. Got bust, 
We lost to a team that bust by North, North, oh. Northern Kentucky oh. in Cincinnati. I we lost to Noah Ryan. Oh, Good I, Lord. I, I a team that won 10 games last year yeah. that lost to a JUCO. Oh, oh I understand. Yeah. Absolutely. Without his two best players. Absolutely. We lost to KCD, basically. Now, hey, y'all, let me tell you how bad this team is. Last night at work, I was. we were talking about just how, how bad the, the – how bad this season is going. We had to Google who all they lost to because we couldn't get, get the teams that you had to Google initially because we'd never heard of them. We couldn't remember all of them. We were like, Lenoris, Lenore Rhymes. Leanne yeah, Rhymes. It. It's Leanne Rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, we, we, we lose to directional schools. We lose to schools named after failed country singers in Nashville. We <laughs> we lose to toothpaste. Like, man, Kenny, you ain't, you're not making this easy on us. And, and I think the way I look, and no, I agree with you, Joe. I mean, that, that's the thing is that I am, I'm not going to celebrate that because I will, I will clap my hands and I will give some sort of appreciation when I feel that Louisville is playing an acceptable level for the University of Louisville. But until that happens, no, I'm not going to celebrate almost beating a horrible team at home. I'm not going to celebrate it. You know what? They, people want to give them credit because they said, well, the guys played hard for four minutes. You should be. That should have been a non-starter from the beginning of the year. The one thing that you can control in this world is your effort that you give towards something. So I'm not going to celebrate you actually playing hard, the fact that you're at the University of Louisville, an ACC institution, an institution that has won multiple national championships. All these kids have NIL deals. They are making money. They are living high on the hog. They got that nice facility over there in Denny Crum Hall that they live in. I should expect that you can get your ass out there and play hard for 40 minutes. I'm not celebrating that. I will, I will congratulate you on the fact that you did improve. And I will talk about the fact and acknowledge the fact that you did improve. But I will not get out here and give them a participation trophy, a juice box, and some baby carrots because they went out there and actually tried. No. You said baby carrots? Baby carrots. Hey, man, you know, cookies and apple juice might be what saves this team. I, I don't. I'm. I'm not really sure at this point. But I, I, I can't do it, Joe. I, I can't. I'm. I'm. I'm at the point now that it's just. Y'all know. I'm, and I'll say this again. I, I feel like I say this every week. I am not here to tell anybody how to how to digest athletic sports. Whatever. It's your. It's your free time. It's your money. It's your sanity. Do with that what you're willing to do. But I will say that it is a goddamn shame, a goddamn shame to see this fan base get humbled to the point that I really just, I, I can't help but think of the, the scene in, in Talladega Nights, man, after they get skunked at the beginning of it, you know, in the race and the, and the, the driver quits and, you know, Ricky Bobby hops in there and does his thing. And you've got old boy in the pit crew at the end when they're all like, internally fighting with one another and he goes guys guys stop look at the end of the day we all tried very hard and we're still dear friends that's how i feel when i see the fan base celebrating 40 minutes of effort like 
what the hell are we doing here, y'all? That's the bare minimum of expectation. Yeah. Lowered expectations. That shouldn't even have to be. That, that, that shouldn't even have to be addressed, man. Like, if you're not going to play hard for 40 minutes, go play for NKU. I mean, we play NKU, at least it could be Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> it, hey, I, I, the bottom line is this. You know what? Good job, fellas, on coming close. But you know what? I'm not going to celebrate it. I'm not going to get... I'm not going to be overly praiseworthy because you're now at about 50 to 60% of what you, where you should be playing. Next one, how about let's not throw the ball into the damn fifth row when you're passing the ball around the court. At this point, you should not still be doing this. It's January. If you don't know how to throw a competent pass at, by now, that's not on you. But we'll get into that after the break. You're going to listen to Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven Hanson, Joe Kelly, taking care of you. Big X Sports Radio, Wake Up 502, and we'll be back. The New York Times side Staying alive was no job At second hands Moms bounced on old man So then we moved to Shallon land A young youth You're rocking the go tooth No goose Only way I begin to see your and welcome back, welcome back to Wake Up 502. It's going down on a Saturday morning. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington. I'm oh, talking about Joe that Kelly cream. Care. You know it. You know what that means. You must be talking about Jeff Brown not football money. Dude. Hey, that With NIL. all these top talents we getting. That's, is that what you're talking about? That NIL. How, how hey. Brown came in as, as, and is bringing offensive firepower. Hey, I, I tell you what, man. Like that, that, that cash rules everything around me. That cream, that NIL is, is, is flowing. <laughs> it is, it is all around the football program right now. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. The greatest thing about the portal is that it, it gave us TCU. The greatest thing about the portal, it it has it is going to become probably the equalizer in college football, where mm-hmm. teams like Louisville they were always kind of scratching the surface, you know, just kind of scratch on the bottom of internet second tier college football, but can never really really get like that type of elite level talent on a consistent basis to go toe to toe, all the time like the super elites <laughs> in the conference. Now all of a sudden. Now you got the NIL money. And you got the portal. Now teams are like, you know what? We ain't for the Alabama no more. They got four or five stars, but you know what? We'll get those guys like two, three years later when they can't get any playing time. And then we'll come for your heads. And, and, that, hey, that, and that's what we've seen in college football. That's when like teams like Kansas State rise out of the ashes like the Phoenix. Say, no, 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 no. We can play ball too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go give me some talent. I'm going to go give me some shot callers that make this happen. And that's what hey, you're saying. Now I'm, I'm, I'm all I, for it. I've got a I've got a hoodie that that looks like the old school Dare logo that says Cream. I've and, seen it. Uh, I just want to I just want to wear that to every press conference with Kenny and and 
nudge Rashawn Rashan and be like, mention the NIL so I can yell, cream, stupid. <laughs> oh, and by the way, just but to, to make sure everybody knows, if you want to reach out to us, I was remiss in not giving the, the contact digits earlier. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, go and visit any of the 182,036 Thornton's locations here in the local Louisville and Southern Indiana area. Uh, you can also uh, catch us and contact us on the Wake Up 502 buzz line, 502-384-1450 as well. I see the uh, text messages are already jumping, and I'm going to get into those in just a second. Hey, uh, hey, Rashawn, real quick, <laughs> yes, to sir. give you a heads up, uh-huh. you may have to be on your toes this morning on that on that soundboard. Because I think we have some uh, we have some local jokers and pranksters that are uh, regulars with me at uh, at the Granville Pub. Uh oh, that may be calling in today Uh-oh. because uh, for people for people that haven't picked up on it yet, come watch uh, basketball games with with us down at the Granville. I'll be bartending most of them. Uh, we got some locals though that they try to get me engaged in 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 a lot of opinionated conversation, and I tell them, look, man, uh, if you want to hear my opinions. Tune in to Wake Up 502. That, that, that's the point of the radio show. I'm here to pour booze in a cup and keep you coming back, so my opinions might run you away. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, you, you get the PG-13 Joe at work. Uh, tune, into, tune into the show if you want to know how I feel about things. So I've been, uh, I've been promised, possibly uh, slash threatened, with, uh, with some phone calls this morning. Oh, boy. I, I can't wait. Just, what? Just I'm here for it. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but Haven, to your point, man, the transfer portal has been popping. The University of Louisville just uh, got their 10th committed transfer uh, last night. Former four-star safety uh, played for Miami, uh, Gilbert Frierson. Uh, he just joined up with the team after earlier this week adding uh, superstar uh, freshman of the year in the SWAC, uh, Kevin Coleman, a former four-star wide receiver, a guy who was rated number 56 overall in the class of 2022 and the sixth overall wide receiver in the class. That young man, just to give you a, a, a context to how good Kevin Coleman is, everybody was super bummed that DeAndre Moore decided to decommit from Louisville and commit to Texas and sign with the Longhorns. Um, Coleman was rated about 40 spots higher in the overall rankings uh, than DeAndre Moore was. And uh, Moore was, I think, the anywhere from the 11th to the 16th best wide receiver uh, in his class where Coleman was uh, you know, a consensus top 10 receiver and number six overall. Um, so you're talking about a kid who literally was a better talent out of high school than was the guy that everybody got extremely upset about losing. And this also means that Louisville has signed its fourth former four-star wide receiver, uh, excuse me, third former four-star wide receiver of the transfer class, joining Jimmy Callaway, the transfer from Tennessee, and Jaden Thompson, uh, the transfer from Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm telling you, the transfer portal has been, is going to become the great equalizer. Unbelievable. Like, Louisville has definitely and, leaned into it. And, and right now, uh, Jeff Brom is hitting home runs. But this is what happens when you have an experienced coach that could honestly look at a roster, ascertain what you yeah, need know, on roster. Know what you need and understand what it takes to get the kids here. And get it done. Yeah. And I'm – and I'm going to tell you something, without ever seeing anything about the, the, the kid's tape, with a man like, what was it, Jimmy Callaway? Yes. Man, Jimmy Callaway came here to do two things, folks. Make plays and sing a tune that's in his heart. <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a 
with a name like Jimmy Callaway, you are either getting buckets, uh, hitting pay dirt, or traveling the Chitlin circuit. <laughs> I mean, hey, he, and he played in that Josh Heupel offense. So, you know, that's a dude who's who loves the, you know, I mean, Tennessee averaged, what, 50 points a game last year? Callaway was a part of that super high, pro, you know, that high power offense. So, you know, he's a guy who's who's going to be electric on the field. So just the thought of, you know, Jeff Brom knows how to scheme up a play. He makes dudes that looks like they, you know, who, you know, if you saw him outside of the, the football field, you think they may be bagging groceries somewhere. He makes those dudes look like superstars on the football. Field. Can you imagine what he does with four-star talent like that, like multiple guys? I mean, that's not to forget Amari Huggins, Bruce, who's already here. Chris Bell, the super physical uh, athlete that he is, who was a freshman this year at Louisville. You have him uh, in the fold as well. You added a guy. Um, uh, uh, oh, what's the the, the the kid from uh, Miami Haven, uh, the, the wide receiver, William Foles, who apparently had a very, very impressive week at his um, um, high school bowl game this past week. Um, he looked very good um, as well. You add Jalil McClain. So, I mean, Louisville has a complement of talented pass catchers um, that Jeff uh, Brown will have at his disposal. So, I mean, it is exciting. But then when you hear about guys like Sky Clark, who just inexplicably left uh, Illinois after being a starter, um, you know, who's decided he's going to transfer and leave the program mid-year. Um, you know, you hear about um, all these guys that are now becoming available. Uh, you know, people wonder if now that Chris Beard is gone, is A.J. Johnson, is he back on the market? Um, you know, Kenny Payne is going to have to start flexing those NIL muscles uh, to try to get some talent in here. We know that they lost out on Isaiah Miranda, who's now in uniform for NC State. Uh, we need to see what Jeff Brom's doing on the basketball side. Am I wrong? I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I mean, I think I that's think the problem. I, I I don't know, man. I mean, I saw everybody talking about Sky Clark last night, and I, do y'all really think that that's what's going to save this team? Is a guy who couldn't put on another roster? I mean, but you, like, if you're Kenny Payne, like, I think it's a situation where beggars can't be choosers. You need to have something to show. I mean, because if you're not going to show improvement or show that you know you have the coaching chops off the block, you know, uh, you know, off the jump to to take lesser talent and win, then you've got to – I mean, I understand that, you know, Clark left Illinois, but that's a former five-star player, a top-five point guard. You can at least have that carrot to dangle to say, hey, at least I see I proved I can go get the kids. I mean, you just need, you know, anything to just get people excited, right? I don't know, man. Do you really? Because to your point earlier, like, I feel like, unfortunately, we just are where we are with Kenny. And there are people who are completely on board with him, and he can do absolutely no wrong. And then there are people who are actually watching the games who are saying this is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that for Kenny Payne and this, this team, the two things that – because people keep asking, you know, is he the guy? Should he have another season? Um, you know, you can't make a move after one year. I think that what – No, you can't. I, I, I think <laughs> what Kenny Payne has to do, he has to give Louisville some sort of reason – to believe that he can do anything to move this program forward. You either have to show a stark and market improvement on the court, and you still have time to. You still have about half of your season left to go. 
to show something and to prove that you can get a team, uh, show a team that has discipline, intelligence, and actually put players in position to succeed. Or you have to go out there and at least get some sort of semblance of recruiting to show that you at least are starting to get some recruiting momentum. Like, I can't see this team finish with, you know, three or four wins and then also not have any sort of momentum on the recruiting trails. Like, I love Caleb Glenn. He's a nice player. Curtis Williams is a nice player. But those are two nice players that are going to be, you know, five or six or seven point per game type guys as freshmen. Louisville needs, you know, an immediate influx of talent if they're going to be any better. Because, fellas, what happens if L. Ellis leaves this team? Like, if L. Ellis decides to transfer and, you know, grab his own NIL bag – or, or, you know, if he decides he wants to go ahead and, and try the NBA draft, what's Louisville do without L. Ellis if you don't get anything else? I've seriously just gone on and, and come to terms with the fact he's he's going to go be a hired gun for somebody next year. I mean, wouldn't you? I, I, why would he stick around this? And, and I really would not be mad at him if he did. I mean, you only get one chance at a college career. I mean, if I'm L. Ellis, if if L. Ellis is my son or my brother or my nephew, I'm telling him get out, son. You only get one crack at this. You've been a JUCO. You earned your you earned your way up from a JUCO, you know, roster to to being a part of this team. Now it's time to get that next upgrade. This is life. You, you take a job, you do well at it, so you can get a better job. I mean, in an era where you not only have to recruit, you know, out on the recruiting trails, high school players and, you know, possible transfers, you have to recruit your own players to stay. Mm-hmm. And you have to give your own players a reason to stay. And, and you know, I, I think that a lot has been thrown on these players, throwing them under the bus, everybody talking about how crappy they are, and that's why Kenny Payne's not having success because all of our players suck and we don't have any talent. If you're a player, why would you want to stay in a program where that's where, you know, what, what a, a large group of people are saying about you? I mean, and I think that that's a big that that's going to be a problem that could you know end up you know raising his head up at the end of the year, Joe. In my personal opinion, I absolutely agree with that. That that's been one of the things when when people keep going to well, you know, when Kenny gets his talent, when Kenny gets his talent, and, and the three of us have been saying, hold up now, uh, you can debate whether or not the talent recruited is the talent that showed up, and what I mean by that is that. We still have four, four, four stars and a five star, right? On that roster now, you can argue: Are they actual four stars? Have they been playing like four stars at the college level? I mean, that's that's debatable. Fine, but the point is, on paper, he's got a, he's got talent. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's, I would take it very personal. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, because like a kid like Kamari Lands, we heard that Kamari Lands was going to be a dark horse guy to be a KP's first one and done. A kid that's 6'8", mm-hmm. with his ability to shoot and score coming out of high school, people thought that this was going to be a kid that was going to be challenging to be Louisville's leading scorer. I mean, you know, on the year, I want to say that uh, let's 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 take a look, let, fellas. Let's go ahead and, and take a stroll and take a look at Kamari Land's numbers on the year um, as it stands right now. Let's see, Louisville. I wish you wouldn't. Uh, Louisville Cardinals <laughs> roster. Uh, here's Kamari Lands. This is a kid that people thought was going to be a, a, a dark horse, you know, to go ahead and, and make a uh, jump to the next level. Currently, Kamari Lands averaging 20 minutes a game is averaging 5.9 points, a half a steal, a half of assist, 
two rebounds, shooting 22% from three and 26% overall. Now, how are you, A, going to sell that to kids that your development program turns kids into pros? And, B, if you're Kamari Lands, you cannot believe that this is where you were going to be in your first year. I think that's a situation where, oh, you know, I think that guys like him are going to have, you know, things to think about as well. Like, am I wrong? Like, I can't, Kamari Lance can't be having the freshman year he thought he was going to have. Like, I know he just moved into the starting lineup against Syracuse, so maybe something changes. But I haven't seen the, 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 the Kenny Payne development plan do anything for that young man, and he was supposed to be the top prospect, right? Yep. You know, I mean. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, the lack of success in recruiting, it just really makes me go back to, to everything I was concerned about when we hired Kenny is that there is no fan base that should better understand just how incestuous the relationship between sneaker companies, AAU, and college recruiting is than UofL. We're the program that resulted in the FBI doing their little peacock walk, coming out saying, we got your playbook. Well, nothing came of that other than we fired our coach and our AP and a bunch of people and went through hell and back. But we know the playbook now, and we know it's just as simple as if a kid comes through an Adidas school or a Nike school or AAU program, he's going to one of their colleges, and then when he goes pro, he'll get a sneaker deal. It's it's not it's so obvious. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, we knew that was the game even before, and even even looking at U of L, who's Don, who's Donovan signed to Adidas. You know what I mean? So, like, we know how this works. It's it's all part of the – it was all part of the pre-NIL package deal of recruitment, I believe. So, so check this out. So, uh, Texter uh, text in. Uh, he says, um, well, A.J. Johnson is available, or at least he will become available with Chris Beard being signed off. And anybody – I've already heard people from both Louisville side and Kentucky side talk about, you know, can Chris Beard come to Louisville now? I don't want Chris Beard. I don't want that dude anywhere near my university. That dude is 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 more than toxic. Like he's radioactive waste at at this point. And I I mean he's a great coach, but yeah, no thank you. I I I would rather stay with the group that I have than have to deal with Chris Beard. Um, So that I'll go ahead and put that to bed right now. Um, But AJ Johnson, yeah, say what you will about Kenny. Say what you will about Kenny, but I know for a fact right now we clearly aren't cheating. <laughs> Fair. We are compliant as they come right now. Uh, so Texas says he says uh, first Louisville lost. They suck. They aren't getting any re- and, and they aren't getting any recruits that are coming. What I think about people celebrating a moral victory is horse crap. This is Louisville basketball. Get get KP out of here and bring in Jay Wright. <laughs> he said, after all of that, let's play football. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Hey, man, that dude's speaking my language. Hey, you know, I mean, it's it is it is what it is. We're a football school now. 
No, no, we're a volleyball school right now. Let's let's give the ladies their props. Real we're a volleyball talk. school. Real talk. I mean, the, you know, the volleyball ladies, they just play for a national championship. So they're, they're the leaders in the clubhouse. Uh, back to the text line, 502-414-1450. Texter says, I agree with everything that you guys just said about Louisville basketball, but – um, as a lifelong card fan who never thought I would see what I have the last couple of seasons, I am celebrating the 40 minutes effort for me. Uh, no juice box and baby carrots for the fellas uh, for doing something they should be doing, but it gives me something to feel a little bit better about. And that was from Didi. And Didi, first of all, thank you for uh, always uh, for your text in. And I agree with you. I think that that definitely at least gives you hope that this is the start of something, right, to understand that they can go out there and play hard for 40 minutes. Well, this is like two <clears> games <throat> in their past like five or six when they, when they did this. So maybe it's the start of a micro trend. Yes. I, I well, mean, you know, I think that, that 40 minutes of hard play, I think, is, is the minimum, you know, that, that you should be expected to go out there. Now, how about let's not turn the ball over 21 times. Now you're going too and, far. And, and 15 of those turnovers literally were just because you were, you know, lazy and just not Man, paying I, attention. See, that's your problem, Rashawn. Somebody yes, asks you if you want a sandwich and you demand a steak. I'm sorry. I know. Did you, go did you know that? No, I think. I think D.D. brings up a really good point, though, that it, yes. that it is okay for, like, fans, celebrate whatever you want. Again, I'm not here to tell you how to be a fan. Yes. That is your, that is your right on this earth. And that's Absolutely. A, that's, that's part of being a fan. You get to be obnoxious or you get to be measured. You get to be whatever kind of fan you want to be. If the fans can take something from that, then that that's not a moral victory. That's not celebrating moral victory. It gives hope. It gives hope. It gives hope. That's just saying... You know what? That gives me a reason to tune in the next time again. Because right now I have so many friends that are just like, I don't even watch it. I don't watch it because I know what's going to happen. So whatever it takes for you to, 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 you know, sit down and do this to yourself for another two hours. <laughs> hey, man, I'm here for it. Absolutely. The, the problem I'm having is, like, some of my like, diehard car friends, car fans who happen to be my very good friends, are asking me, he's like, hey, what's the game time? Yeah. Are we playing this week? <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. Like, Nobody like, knows when the games are anymore. Yeah, like, the cats are like my dad. Prime example, my dad is like a diehard L fan. Went to both championships in 1886, right? <laughs> diehard. Rode the plane to Dallas to watch us win the championship, right? Mm-hmm. Called me the other day. He's like, hey, are we playing this week? That's so what we played already. Oh, we win or lose. <laughs> I mean, that's hey, the saddest man. stuff in the world, man. And, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm going to tell on myself. Uh, somebody from work called me the other night and said, hey, man, real quick, what, what channel is the game on? And I said, what game? <laughs> and they were like, don't you do radio for U of L? Like, um, U of L plays Syracuse. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that game. I thought you were asking about the Monday night football game getting rescheduled. <laughs> um, hold on real quick while I'm Googling. Like, oh, it's been bumped over to ESPN News. That's why you can't find it. Yeah. We're now on the news channel. Yeah, I didn't even realize there was a channel change. Like, And me, I am, Haven knows, I am literally the most – you know, locked in, even regardless of whether they get on my nerves or not. I try to pay attention to everything. I go back and rewatch everything. Sometimes I rewatch my rewatch. 
but I didn't even realize that they changed the channel. Like, my dad said, oh, the game just – it ain't on. They're playing some other game. I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they just decided that Louisville hurts people's eyes and they didn't want to – Nobody people. wants this. <laughs> No, but you know, I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's it's been a it's been a very tough watch. Um, but I agree with you, Joe and DD as well. That you know that that effort gives you hope. And if you want to get excited and happy about hope, you know, you don't have to be miserable like me. I get angry and infuriated. Like I watch games like a crazy person. Like when I watch the games, Haven watches me and tells me I need to turn it off because I'm gonna have a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> because I get so angry oh, watching the games. Folks at the bar were asking me last week, is, is Big Dude at the corner, is he good? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's just, you know, UofL basketball just, just does things to him. He, he'll, he'll be all right. It is so, my, it is my passion, yes. If anybody I'm watches him, I'm going to get him a crown and die. <laughs> if you see me out, if you watch me at any of the games, people, if y'all want to know if I care, if I'm like a hater, like some people have said, oh, you just want to see Kenny Payne fail, you want to see the team lose, you're just a Louisville hater. You all have never watched me watch a Louisville basketball game. Like, I cheer for the cards with every, you know, inch and breath in my body. Uh, and, and watching them play, uh, just it hurts my soul. <laughs> Understand? I, I, I think it's funny, man, because like if you watch the two of us this season, I've been told that you can watch my hairline recede and you <laughs> get whiter. Like you just see white hairs pop up on Rashawn, and you see some of my follicles go. Nah, man, I've had about enough of this world, and they just drop out. <laughs> Hey, real talk, man. I mean, I, I am I, the one thing, fellas, I'm thankful for. And shout out to uh, the Holy Cross Cougars. Uh, they did go down to defeat to defeat to Evangel Christians. <laughs> uh, they played Evangel Christian in the All A Regional Tournament Championship game last night. And I will say that Evangel, uh, Kyron Tilly, Sierra Malanga, and those kids—that is one of the best high school teams I've seen in the city of Louisville. Uh, in, in a while. That is a very well put together team. They have size, they have athleticism, good coaching, very good team. But shout out to Holy Cross. Uh, you guys played well last night. You stayed in the fight for as long as you could before just that size and talent gap kind of just took over in the fourth quarter. But watching my son play uh, for, for Holy Cross has been my biggest um, breath of fresh air while going through this Louisville season. And, and I and I am super super thankful for that, man. Because if I didn't have that to keep my sanity, Joe, I would be in the basement drawing on the walls like some crazy person trying to figure out oh. how Louisville wins. Like y'all would just literally come into my house, go into the basement. You see me on on the on the wall with with a piece of chalk just writing down the wall. <laughs> you would see that. So I, I am thankful, man. That that's the only thing that's kept my sanity. Yeah, and and I, you know. Uh, I'd like to give a similar shout-out to my friends at Mile Wide Brewery for uh, uh, just just rotating the beers out and giving us something new to drink every week, it feels like, because I'm like, well, I don't know if this team is going to bring me any joy, but this beer is delicious. There you go. Absolutely. I, I, hey, the, 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 small, the small things become much more important when you're having to deal with what we're dealing with right now. And I do want to let everybody know, um, of course, we will be doing our ticket giveaway um, today at 21st in Germantown. Make sure you guys come out there, 1481 South Shelby Street for game day 502, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. All you have to do is come out there, uh, put your uh, tickets in. This is for the Girls' Night Out mail review coming up 
January 17th. Y'all say, mail review. Why y'all give away mail review tickets? We see Chippendales or whatever out there. Let me tell you, this is one of the hottest tickets um, that 21st has every year. They sell out. They may already be sold out. So we may have the last two available tickets. Um, it's a great gift uh, for, 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 you know, the special lady in your life or you have some friends or uh, if some ladies want to come out and just go out and have a fun time, come out there to 21st in Germantown. We'll be out there at 4 o'clock. You can just get, come out there. Put your, give me your name, uh, your phone number. We're going to do the drawing at the end of the show today. Uh, so definitely come out there and do that. Hour number two coming up for you. We're going to get into this college football national championship. I want to ask Joe and Haven's opinions on what we saw out there last week. And then, of course, we'll have Leanne Herring uh, on here as well to, to give her picks and her thoughts as well. This is Rashawn Myers on uh, Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, and we'll be back. The staircase, no, I don't know why I told the smoke. I guess that's the time when I'm not depressed, but I'm still depressed. And I asked, What's your work? Ready to give up, so I seek the old earth. Who explain working hard may help you maintain to learn to overcome the heart. The ain't his record. He stole from somebody else. Taking it from the top. Top. Hell yeah. Tippy. I'm all people. Singing that. Hey. I kiss the sky Sing the song of sixpence The pocket full of rye the f- on the die For they culture Talk the dead body Like a vulture The Calgon mm-hmm. Blacker than your blackest stallion Hit your housing Projects I represent your challenge Oh yes, apocalypse now, the gun power be going down, diggy diggy down, diggy down. When the planets and the stars and the moons collapse, when I raise my trigger finger, all your fuckers hit the deck. Cause ain't no need for that, hustlers and hardcore. Pour to the floor, roar like reservoir doors. The green eyed bandit can't stand it. Welcome back, welcome back to Wake Up 502. It's going down on a Saturday morning here in the Ville. Got plenty to talk to. Hour number one flew by. Now back for hour number two, another Method Man, Red Man joint. How high? Uh, and you know what? Two teams that are feeling really high right now, fellas. Georgia Bulldogs, TCU Horn Frogs. We got to talk about what happened last week. But I'd, first of all, I'd be remiss if I did not say big shout-out to DeMar Hamlin. So glad that he is feeling better um, after that scary, scary incident on Monday Night Football. Um, you know, young man had a, a heart attack literally on the field. Um, and, you know, because of the quick uh, action of the medical staff there for uh, the University of Cincinnati and the Buffalo Bills, um, they were able to um, revive and resuscitate DeMar. Um, he is now breathing on his own. They got the breathing tube out yesterday. He's able to talk. Um, to his family, is to his teammates, had a Zoom call uh, with them yesterday. So just the Lord is blessing that young man in all types of ways. Um, so very, very happy uh, for that. Haven, I, I, it was a scary incident, man. I didn't know if that young man was ever going to wake up again. I, I was, I was shocked at what happened. Uh, you came in, uh, you know, and was t- was telling me about what happened, and then go to go back and see it, man. It was scary, scary stuff. So. Just glad for DeMar. Um, you know, I, I am not the biggest Bills uh, supporter. 
Um, but, you know, when it, at the end of the day, like we talk about with all these football, basketball players, any of these sports guys, you know, while, while fans look at these teams a lot of times as just commodities and they don't really uh, look at the players as people, um, and that have lives and families and loved ones, um, it just kind of brings all that stuff back into focus. Uh, so just glad that DeMar um, is on the road to recovery. Uh, whether or not he plays football again is immaterial. That young man is a, has a, a great heart and a great spirit about him and got to learn a lot more about him, his children's charity um, that, that is based around um, supplying presents and gifts during Christmas time. Uh, for the less fortunate, he had a a uh, projection of he wanted to earn twenty five hundred dollars uh, from uh, you know donations for the kids. Right now, at and counting, um, his charitable organization uh, is at seven million dollars donated uh, since last this past Monday. Uh, for just people that just want to go out and show their love and support uh, for Demar, so it's just absolutely beautiful that um, people at the end of the day um, understand that it is just a game and that it's more, much more important about the game of life. You know, so, you know, Rashawn, like you said something very interesting there, and it was like it's immaterial if he doesn't play again. Yes. You see, I may beg to differ with that statement. And that's because of how the NFL structures their contracts for their players. You see, to me what this highlights is just how fragile NFL contracts are. It's like NBA contracts are guaranteed. Yeah. So if DeMar Hamlin. Baseball contracts are guaranteed. Are guaranteed. So DeMar Hamlin, who's been in the league for two years, if he had been a baseball or a football player, a baseball or basketball player. Yeah. And never played another down. He will still get at least the last bit of money on his contract. Usually, like a three or four, it was like a three or four year deal worth, I think he was making like $800,000 a season. Right. So he would get, it was like a four year deal. He would get two more years of $800,000, right? But because the way the NFL contracts are structured, that if he never plays another down, then he was never going to get another check. And he's not eligible for the NFL pension because you have to have three years. In. You had to have three years in, so he's not even eligible for the, for the NFL pension. So if he had any life-altering injuries that needed, uh, you know, any type of medical care after this, he doesn't qualify for it by NFL standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and so he, he's he's literally like twisting in the wind because the the NFL's player association mm-hmm. is so weak. You're like they've downgraded their coverage. So what they used to, what they could get like pensions. I think when he first uh, qualified for NFL pension, you're looking at, I think it was almost like uh, four, like four or five thousand dollars a week has been a minute down to two. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the financial hardships that a lot of guys go through in the NFL. And if this was imagine like all the guys that, like we don't know about on a practice squad, maybe tore an ACL, right. they'll never play again, but never really signed an NFL contract. So now you're doing surgeries on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. To me, like, that's what this really highlights is just how. It's a big market. Yeah. Just how owner focused, if you will, the NFL contracts, even though it's the, of all the professional sports leagues, it is by far the richest of all the professional sports leagues. Yeah. And it's not even close. I mean, it's not even close. But yet the players are done the worst in the most violent of all the leagues. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always been a controversial point, uh, you know, is the fact that NFL does not guarantee their contracts. And, you know, that's why they went so crazy about the Deshaun Watson contract and the fact that they gave him $230 million fully guaranteed because they were worried about, um, you know, the changes that could come and, and the, what's being requested from these players. Um, you know, that they got that he got a fully guaranteed deal because the NFL's never wanted to do fully guaranteed uh, games uh, or, excuse me, deals because of A, the injury factor that, that comes about with that, but also they, they want the freedom to be able to cut a guy if he's not performing, um, you know, and basically just take a back door to get out of or get away from having to play, pay them. That's why you see so many contracts where the, a lot of times the contracts will have big numbers, but most of those contracts are backloaded uh, to where if a guy's not performing in year two or three, you owe him the bulk of his money at the end of his deal that he's never going to see anyway. Oh, yeah. You know, that, I mean, they, yeah. they, they, the NFL is all about your it's all about your signing bonus. Yeah, it's all about your signing yeah. bonus because nothing else is guaranteed. Go ahead, Joe. What's I love the game. I, I love the game of football, but I hate the institutions that that run it. And you know, football is not going anywhere. This country loves it. We love our our American football, and I don't want to see the game go at all. But I would like to see some changes made to it. And I can't think of a worse. Well, there is a worse, and I don't want to say it, but it was a very, very, very ugly 48 hours for the game and the sport because we watched a Hall of Famer's son, Marvin Harrison Jr., get two Rex arms from a helmet-to-helmet shot that wasn't called. And that was scary enough on Saturday night. You know, I don't like seeing headshots. I'm at that age now where I, where I see that stuff, and I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's fun. I'm not the guy that yells, whoo, because I've taken those shots, and I've seen my buddies take those shots, and now we're all dealing with those effects 20 years later, and it's not fun. Yeah, that was absolutely targeting. I know that they said that because he didn't get hit directly in the helmet and that the, uh, I don't, man. the Georgia player hit him in the get, shoulder. Get rid of, that was nah, absolutely targeting. Get rid targeting. of the damn rule. That's targeting. Get rid of the damn rule if you're not going to protect that kid. And, and there was another play in the TCU-Michigan game. If, if those weren't targeting, then get rid of the targeting calls yeah. is all I'm going to say about the, I that. Mean, it, it, when and they talk about they a defenseless the, receiver, and you have a de- defenseless receiver and a defensive mm-hmm. player grind, you know, gearing up momentum to launch himself into the player, even though he hit him in the shoulder pad, causing his ne- neck to snap back, he was in a defenseless position, and you allowed a player to load up and launch himself into another player. That is textbook targeting. That, that, was, that was as brutal to watch. You know, and, and it really just kind of showed you how, how fragile that, like, each play is. That any given moment, a kid can get absolutely wrecked. And then to juxtapose it against the way that the, the guy went down in the Buffalo game, that was just a bang-bang play. Yeah. There was nothing about that play that looked out of sorts. It was a standard, typical tackle, and he stood up and then dropped. And that's terrifying. Yeah. And quite frankly, I'm 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 amazed it hasn't happened before. I don't know how we've been playing football as long as we have, and and there hasn't been more just <clears throat> graphic injuries. Yeah, I mean, they, said, they said it was a it was a one in million hit. They said that literally T Higgins just kind of lowered his shoulder and hit him in the perfect spot at the exact moment, like within milliseconds, to where um, that type of injury can occur, where you just get hit in the perfect place to stop your heart. You know, it was just one That's of those freak plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. 
I mean, it's it, it's it, and they said that T. Higgins was just distraught. You know, he never left the hospital until Demar was, uh, you know, back awake and and uh, coherent. They said T. never left the hospital. They said he was beside himself that he was so upset that he hurt him. Uh, you know, and, and it just, I mean, then like once again, that just speaks to the fact that you know, while all these guys are going out there, you know, the street fight between with the whistles and all that type of stuff is an awesome phrase. But at the end of the day, these guys still care about one another for the most part. I mean, you know, I mean, there's still some jerks out there that don't care about anything about themselves. But they're, they're, sure, they're, every now and then you don't. <laughs> every now and then you don't get a Bartez Burke. Yeah, that was exactly the what I was thinking. Jack Tatum. Yeah. <laughs> at well, you know. But, but, man, I mean, you know, and the other thing that I feel bad for Higgins about is that as an offensive player, that never even crosses your mind, I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, I think I think as a defensive player, there's something in the back of your head that knows a play could go wrong and I could hurt somebody. Like, I could paralyze somebody. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, that that thought process ever enters a wide receiver's brain by the time you get to the NFL. I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Like, you don't. You you can't expect something like that, and and just the mental prep that you have to be at, and how tough you have to be mentally. That's why I get so annoyed with people when they call when they call pro athletes soft. Ain't nothing soft about a professional athlete. No. They may be soft by pro athlete standards, but if they come and sit down next to you at, at Applebee's, buddy, you're the single ply. You're the gas station toilet paper. It ain't him. <laughs> Yeah, you know uh, the mental toughness it takes. You know, overcoming injuries, overcoming two a days, getting yelled at for four, maybe five years in college by 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 a Bobby Petrino type. You think these guys are soft? Come on now, right? <laughs> oh no, not at all. But but I tell you what, <laughs> man. Just in in regards to the game itself, you know, with seeing Marvin Harrison get knocked out, that fundamentally changed what happened uh, last mm-hmm. Saturday night because you can't tell me that if Marvin Harrison is healthy and playing, um, and truthfully, even if they would, let's just say Marvin Harrison gets hit, he gets knocked out. How you know the, Georgia ended up having to that that was a a third down play which led to a fourth down play. So j- just the fact that it should have been targeting for the health and safety of the player that gives Georgia a first and goal uh, from the, the you know the, the the three or four yard line once they go half the distance to the goal. Um, you know and. Uh, you know, at that point, Ohio State probably takes that in for a touchdown, and the game's likely over with. Um, you know, or at least the, the comeback would have to be much greater for Georgia to get that done. Um, I, I think that not calling that really and truthfully, besides the fact that Harrison not playing, I think if Harrison plays the game, even if they don't call that, I feel that like Ohio State wins that game. But then the fact that they don't make that call, um, Ohio State ends up losing that game. I think that that play fundamentally changed what happened in that playoff game. Oh, it did. It absolutely did. Absolutely did. And can we also say, like, getting getting away from the injuries, though, how great the the opening weekend of the, of the playoff was. It was amazing. It was amazing. Both of those games, that was uh, – thank you, thank you, football gods, because I didn't want to go out on New Year's Eve. I, I, I got off work, and I was like, you know what? I don't feel like doing amateur hours. I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch some football. And, and the football gods blessed me with a wonderful evening of, I'm not getting out of my chair. 
Oh, it, it, it was it was amazing. Like the games were great. They were competitive. Um, you know, TC and jo- and uh, Joe, we talked about it last week. We said the fact that you know both Michigan and uh, Georgia were the um, you know they deserve to be the favorites and they deserve to have the uh, you know the, the be the fav- the betting favorites in Vegas. But we talked about the fact that that Quinton jo- uh, Johnston and Marvin Harrison Jr. were probably the best weapons for in the game mm-hmm. and both of those guys showed out greatly impacted what happened in those games and like I said it's, it's unfortunate that Harrison got hurt because I think if Harrison plays that whole game I feel like Ohio State's playing for the national championship game on Monday night and, man I'm gonna tell you what guys I, I I'm getting older now so forgive me because I've, I've seen enough football now where I can't just rattle off my top five but Marvin Harrison Jr. is as much of a, of a Guarantee is I can recall in college football at the wide receiver position. Oh, if the Ravens do he not draft a wide receiver, <laughs> he, he ain't gonna be on the board by the time. The third, like that is in an era where where you can you can look at successful receivers in the draft and go, hey, you don't have to spend your first round pick on a receiver. You can find one later in you know later on in rounds. No, no. If that guy is on the board, you take him. Oh, that gotcha. that, that kid runs routes and has hands like his old man. But his old man was five eleven. Unbelievable. Ma- Ma- Marvin Harrison was five eleven. Marvin Harrison Jr. is six four, with those yeah. hands and those route running skills. He he plays ball like I didn't even realize he was that big because he's so smooth with how he plays. Right. I was like, he's six four. Oh God, that's a cheat code. <laughs> yeah, no. When I saw that, I was like. Man, you're not allowed. Like, it's not fair. You should not be able to run reps. Like, come on, oh, man. man. He's got Megatron's body. Yeah. But he runs reps like Larry Fitz. I'm telling you. Like, he's not a, cool. He's an absolute cheat code. Yeah. I mean, and, and, if, and Quentin Johnson shows was just up and as runs good, a 4 4 40, if he runs a 4 4 at his pro day, <clears throat> that's a top 10 pick. Easy. Oh, yeah. I, I know. The, the wide receiver class this year coming up. Um, I've heard is one of the deepest. They said that there there's maybe six, seven receivers that may go in the first round uh, of this draft. Um, so yeah, to, to to put it bluntly, the Ravens, please Baltimore, please if you were planning on keeping Lamar Jackson around, please get one of these wide receivers. You're gonna have a ton of talented pass catchers. So I, I'm gonna need for that to happen. Please grab one. <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever. We're gonna. Baltimore going to draft a guard at 17. <laughs> you know they will. Oh god. A safe And then in the second round, and then in the second round they're going to draft a guy that that John Gruden talks about. Ah, he's a real Swiss army knife back. <laughs> oh god. They grab a tight end. Yeah, he's just a he's just a Another football tight player. End. You can right. line him up at tight end at fullback. He's got two positions he can play. Just please stop. Just this please is another stop. blocker for, for Lamar. <laughs> Texter in 502-414-1450 uh, asks us a question. They said, He said, uh, who are the two U.S. Army All-American athletes that are committing to Louisville today? I like the fact that he said that are committing to Louisville. Um, so if you don't know, uh, the, the uh, you, what used to be the U.S. Army All-American game, now it's just called the All-American game uh, down there in Texas, uh, will be happening this afternoon. Uh, University of Louisville will have uh, well they were supposed to have a couple of guys that were playing in the game they, they were supposed to have three guys playing in the game Aaron Williams uh, from uh, St. Don Bosco Prep who's a teammate of Pierce Clarkson who will be playing in the game um, Aaron Williams is out 
Um, apparently, he played the whole his whole high school senior season with a torn ACL. Um, the six-two do everything cornerback literally played the whole year with a torn ACL. Had a pick six in the uh, high school uh, state championship game <laughs> on this t- torn ACL. Uh, but he's uh, set for surgery, um, I believe, next week. So he is down there in Texas. He's participating and going through all the uh, festivities, but he won't be playing. But Jamari Johnson um, is one of the young men that will make his final announcement. Uh, Jamari Johnson will be picking between uh, what sounds to be Louisville and Oregon. Uh, for who he's going to commit to. He's been committed to Louisville uh, for about the last eight months or so. Jamari Johnson is a young man that has gotten a ton of attention. Um, He is an absolute unit. He's 6'5", goes about 215, 220 pounds already. He had scholarship offers from Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. So you're talking about a guy who is a supreme talent. He's going to be making his final decision today. Um, so you'll definitely want to watch out for that. The tea leaves say that Jamari Johnson is going to stick with his commitment to the University of Louisville, which is huge for Jeff Brown because of the way he uses tight ends. Johnson is a prototype uh, tight end for what he likes to do. The other young man that's going to make his decision today is TJ Capers. Uh, he TJ is the number one linebacker in the class of 2024. Yes, I said the number one linebacker slash edge rusher in America from uh, Miami-Dade County. Um, he is going to be making his decision today. University of Louisville is the favorite uh, for TJ Capers. And just the fact that, Haven, we're talking about a top Ten player overall, five-star player, is likely to commit to Louisville today. What does that make you think, Haven Harrington, about the status of Louisville football right now? This makes me think that this is what when Kenny Payne was first hired. This is what we were promised. <laughs> like with, I'm shocked, like, like with his recruiting. But once again, NIL has become the great equalizer in college sports. It is crazy. Especially in football. It has become the equalizer in college football. I mean, I never thought I you know, I never thought that Ruben Owens, the number one run running back in the country, would ever commit to University of Louisville, even though he ended up at Texas A and M, which I understand with Jeff Brown coming over. But the number one linebacker to commit to the University of Louisville possibly today? Like, I never thought like I remember that we used to talk about it. Haven, you said that Louisville needs to get, you know, Six to seven four-star players per class if they want to move up to that next level. Well, Louisville has greatly surpassed that number this year. And they said, you know, Pierce Clarkson said that the buzz around this program, he's the, you know, class of uh, Flyville 2024 is going to be even better. You know, I believe it. But this is what happens, though, when you hire a guy, a football guy, like who loves university, is a good recruiter and is now given like access to funds to go get the best players in the country and actually never should have let us cheat me open. <laughs> yeah. I mean now now it's real. So now you have to now you don't like, hide? No. Yeah, so now schools like Alabama, LSU, you know, all the all the, the blue bloods, you know, now they have to worry because now your old misses and Mississippi States and Arkansas is the world with their boosters going to start loading up on a portal. Oh, if this T.J. Capers commitment happens today, y'all got to understand, like the Reuben Owens commitment sent shockwaves through college football circles. This T.J. Capers commitment 
It's bigger. May send people off. This will be the highest rated player to ever commit to Louisville. If this young man commits today, he's high, the highest rated player to ever commit to Louisville was Michael Bush. He was rated around number 13 overall. He was a five-star player. He was the highest, most talented player to ever commit to Louisville. TJ Capers is six or seven spots higher than Michael Bush. Just to let you know the level of talent of this kid. Um, and what well, this will do for Louisville's recruiting. Well, not only that, but <laughs> what does this do for Louisville's recruiting in South Florida? Right. Right. So that's the thing. You know, like. First he's having dinner with Uncle Luke, taking pictures, and now they're taking the number one kid in the city? Are you kidding? I mean. We'd love, we'd love to see it. I just want a we'd Warren Sapp or a Vince Wilfolk, y'all. I just want one of them. I want a Vince Wilfolk one time. One time. And Cincinnati's still trying to figure out what they're going to do with Scott Satterfield. Hey, you the know. The fans are still mad. They got Jay Davis to, 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 to you know, to leave Louisville and commit to sat, sat up in Cincinnati. They got him. Yeah. <laughs> We're still mad. Enjoy uh, your chili. Oh, uh, that's still salty. Like, uh, hey, man, I, I'll tell you the you you mentioned like sending shockwaves through through the football landscape. You know, getting a commit like that, and that that is one of the ways that I always gauge. Okay, I know what locals, I know what we think about U of L football, and it's a it's a wide range of expectations <laughs> to say the least what do people outside of the state of kentucky think about louisville football and i was talking to a gentleman last night he's a texas alum and he knew he he knew football you know we were we weren't just talking about charlie strong and you know in that relationship but he said you know the, the, jeff brown is scary to the like Louisville is my dark horse pick to be playing in the in the, in the once the college football playoff expands. They're one of my dark horse non traditional teams that'll be in the hunt every year. Every year they're going to be. It's like I I don't see how this guy doesn't come in here and, and make you all a top fifteen program annually. Hey, I, all and, I, you know, Joe. I, all said, I, I don't think he wins is. enough games that, that we can drop a bag on him and hire him down at Texas because I don't think we got our coach. Listen, you, you keep your hands off our coach. He's ours. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe, all I know is this. Old money don't like sharing the stage with new money. And if this mm-hmm. goes down today, well, there's going to be some dude that sounds like Foghorn Leghorn throwing stuff and kicking over TVs down in Texas or Alabama or Mississippi somewhere. Just imagine if TCU can beat Georgia in the national championship game. Oh, my goodness. The ripple effects. Hey, open, mm-hmm. open the floodgates, fellas. Hey, you are listening to Wake Up 502 with Sean Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly, taking care of your big X Sports Radio. We got Leanne Herring coming up. We're going to be talking the national championship game is going down. If you want to give your thoughts or your picks, 502-414-1450. You can lock in on the Thorns text line as well. Hey, we'll be back. Just used to play me, now they can't forget me now They get me now, I rock the spot check clock If the offer, lick it off in hip-hop The billboard, I'm a bullet on my block How you do when you pay for your billboard spot?
Welcome back. Welcome back to Wake Up 502. Y'all know what that what that means. Y'all, y'all, y'all know what that music sound what that sounded means. It means Leanne Herring joins us on the line. Leanne, how you doing, ma'am? Doing good, doing good. I just literally walked in the dome, uh, excited. I've been here in the same time with the last couple of days, covering the All American Bowl. Uh, I know, and I was going to touch base before we get on our text, man. Louisville should be excited about Pierce Carson. I've gone some groups of him this week during practice. Man, that kid, it's a true testament of what's ahead at Louisville. So, Carson, get excited. I know it's been a rocky year as far as the football program, but I will say from what little I've seen, Y'all get excited. Pierce Clarkson is going to be something special for Louisville this year, wow. the coming year. Hey, I tell you what, like that right there, uh, Leanne makes like my whole day <laughs> because I yeah, when you you know yeah, I I mean when I saw him, like I said, I was like I saw him. He's just so commanding. Like I said, these are the top hundred players in the country right now, Rashawn. So you know that every one of them at their respective position is going to be elite. They're going to be yes. good. But that kid, you know, is just. It's just a true testament, despite the rocky weather that Louisville football has had, you know, um, with the changing coaches and all that kind of stuff, that he's still committed to Louisville, like I said. He's something to get excited about. And, and like I said, if you can hear it in my voice, I, I'm excited for the Cardinal fans, and I'm excited uh, for, for the talent that's coming that way. Absolutely. And and I tell you what, I, we ha- I, found, I just found out, y'all, that we have a big-time birthday today. And since we're talking about Pierce Clarkson, uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman that Pierce Clarkson looks up to uh, who was a big reason why he committed to the University of Louisville and got excited about the prospects of what he could do. And that is former Cardinal and Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson's birthday today. I didn't realize today was uh, LJ Era 8's birthday. So happy birthday, Lamar Jackson! Uh, you know, and hopefully Pierce Clarkson's going to do you well and, and acquit you, acquit the school well uh, there at the All American Bowl uh, today. So yeah, Haven was like, "What? Whose birthday is it?" It's like, "Oh man, it's a good one." <laughs> and maybe he will keep up that Heisman Heisman Trophy uh, tradition down in Louisville too. Like I said, kids got an arm. He's calm. He's collective. A lot to get excited about. Absolutely. Haven, uh, now, now uh, Haven, what, what do you think about Pierce? Like, I know some people, everybody believes that, that you know, that Jack Plummer is going to be the, the no-doubt starter, but, you know, what, what, what do you think about Pierce being able to come? You think that he'll be able to come in here and actually make it an actual quarterback controversy his first year? I think he'll push, and I, I definitely think he'll get playing time. Like, I can kind of see this being like um, when Jeff Brom was here, or, well, yeah, when Brian Brom, Excuse me, the wrong, I got the wrong Brahms. Got my Brahms mixed got up. Got all your Brahms mixed up. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, they're all going to be here anyway. I know, right? So, like, when Brian was, like, when Stephen LaFleur's was the starter, right? But every now and then, like, Brian would get some clock just so he can get some working with the ones because everybody knew he was going to be the heir apparent. I can kind of see, like, that going with, uh, with, with Jack and Pierce. Like, Jack's going to be the starter. Like, he's going to be the trigger man. But I wouldn't be surprised if Pierce comes in like in the middle of the third quarter or something like that, just oh, to yeah. get like one or two yeah. series. I mean, I think that would be a great plan, Leander. I mean, it doesn't. I, I think that Jeff Brown is the type of guy that doesn't mind playing, you know, m- multiple guys or, or, you know, having that that type of system. Because I mean, we did see LaForce and Brown do that, uh, Brian, um, previously. Like, I, I think that Jeff will be open to that, don't you? I think I think so too. I mean, I think a lot of fans, especially, they get 
it kind of get misconstrued with the idea of having, you know, depth at quarterback. I think this day and age is, is especially shown, especially when you get into that, that long stretch in, in conferences like ACC, SEC, any power five starter, you need to have depth at your QB. So I, I just don't see this hesitation. If, you know, like you said, there's going to be one guy that's going to be your definite, definite starter, but, yes. you know, having a talented having a talented backup, having a couple guys that can go in there and get the job done, and being able to run different packages is, is something I think every team needs to consider. It's not going to be like you're running a two-QB system. Right. I think people mistake that when you have two really good QBs that it's going to be a two-QB system. But, you know, there's so much There's so much um, to be able to hang in the longevity of things. you got to be able to adapt and adjust. And, and as good as any quarterback can be, I don't care if you get a four- or five-star kid in there, He's not going to be able to fit every package in every scenario that you run on the offense. That's why I like when you go get some depth. And I think it's important not just the quarterback position to have depth at every position. That's why you see, that's why you see teams like Georgia. That's why you see teams like TCU. And, of course, Alabama did it best. They create depth. You know, you don't have to have a, a star-studded elite team every year, but you got to have depth. And especially at quarterback, especially with the day and injury and, and so many things. So I, I think it's always good, and it creates good competition. With when you have when you have a young guy coming in with this fire ready to to compete against the guy who is probably going to win the starting job. No, I totally agree with you, absolutely, and, and I think that it's definitely okay uh, to have depth there. I don't think that is a uh, you know I I, I don't I, like I love Brock Doman. I don't want to have to 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 have to watch Brock Doman out there. Like I I think that you know Louis, he did he get he did you know I give him credit for what he was able to do, but I definitely like the better situation with Plummer uh, and Clarkson as a, as a backup or a reserve as a guy who comes in there. I just think that that's better for the program moving forward. Um, now, Leanne, I definitely want to ask you about a guy who um, has been a lot of uh, mystery around. People thought for the longest that he was going to possibly decommit from the University of Louisville and uh, commit to Oregon. We know that he had a, a, a Alabama made a big push for him before the season started. That's Jamari Johnson, the tight end. Have you been able to see Jamari out there, and, and, and what do you think about him? You know, I, I've seen, I've seen uh, like I said, uh, specs and everything with all the kids, like I said, because they separate the East and the West classes, most of the kids, okay. you know, get separated stuff. But um, I haven't, I haven't, I can't say that I've laid eyes on him consistently enough. Okay. But like I said, from what I've seen from all these players and stuff, I mean, they're just, they got size, they got dynamic. When you get the 100 best players in the country in here, Rashawn, it's just like, you know, um, they're all talented. And, and they're going to, and I think what you see with these players is they're having a lot of fun. And that's really what I've enjoyed about this week is getting to see that their talent really, really kind of show out because they're having fun. This isn't a pressure of having to win a state championship. This isn't that pressure of having to go into college ball yet. So I think we're really seeing their talent. But like I said, with a lot of these guys, that I like about them, even the four and five star, even the less recruited kids, right. is that they haven't reached their peak. And that's what I like to see with recruits. I know you talk about the Ruben Owens and everything, elite players, but not every kid's talent is that way. But we, uh, but what I love to see about these kids is there's so much potential um, for them when they get to college. And I think that's, gonna, that's key when you're looking for a good recruit. It's about a fit, but also, more importantly, having those kids that haven't reached the ceiling even though they're four- and five-star kids and their talent. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, in other college football news, before we talk about uh, this showdown between TCU and Georgia, um, I definitely have to ask about this. Of course, the news coming out, uh, Bobby Petrino, um, after thinking that he was going to take <laughs> over the offensive coordinator spot at uh, UNLV, does, in fact, take the OC job at Texas A&M. Texas A&M, check this out, Haven. Uh, co- coaches that um, – uh, that 
currently are, are playing and coaching under uh, Jimbo Fisher there at Texas A&M. You have um, DJ Durkin, the, the former Maryland coach. You have Steve Adazio, and now you have the former Boston College coach, and now you have Bobby Petrino there under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, what do you think about Bobby Petrino making that move, and what kind of circus is it going to be at Texas A&M next year? Yeah, I don't even know what to say, and it's a, it is a thing because every we were talking about it yesterday. Some of the report, some of the reporters uh, with us and everything, and the only thing I can imagine when I when I hear the name with Bobby Petrino is the infamous picture of Bobby in the neck brace, and I feel like what, what's going on at Texas A and M. Man, and, you know, there's just so much talent there. I've seen some of those kids. We recruited them at Ole Miss. We recruited them in the SEC. You know, there's a ton of potential. I'm talking ton of potential. Yeah. But the thing about it is, is Texas A&M, is Jimbo Fisher, can they get those Aggies to rally outside all, all those outside influences? And I think that that's been the biggest struggle with Texas A&M, not finding this success. Like, I, what, like what do I always say? Money can't buy love it can buy affection and i feel that's where the texas a&m program is such elite talent but they can't find a way to get all the outside influences and, and to play football and i think that's really what they're stopping and like you said when you name all those coaches and you look about the history you know and, and you see where they've been and what they've done at other programs outside yeah. football like you said it doesn't help but make you make you feel hesitant of what's going to come out of Texas A&M. It's a lot of egos, Leanne. That is a lot of egos. A lot of egos, a lot of money, and a lot of boosters. And I just feel like there's so many things that are shading that program. And I feel at some point, if it does, if things don't turn around, don't be surprised if midpoint through the season, they're going to clean house. Because I guarantee you, those Texas boosters, especially down in College Station, are not going to put that much money and put up with that kind of craziness. You know, they'll buy the craziness, oh. they'll buy a ticket to the show, but they also want to win. And that's just going to be right. really difficult, I feel, under those circumstances if things don't change. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Joe? I will say this about I'll say this about Jimbo and his lump of coal all-star staff. <laughs> like, he got all the kids off the naughty list. And, and here, I can't wait to see Bobby Petrino throw him under the bus. Is anybody that knows anything about Bobby? His thing, man. Bobby's just coasting right now. He's like, I didn't kill a kid. Uh, I'm the least. I'm not the most problematic guy on this staff for the first time in my in 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 30 years. Don't drop the bag, Bob. You almost you almost fumbled your way out of college football, but this is your opportunity. Hey. We are going to lose a lot of games, 48 to 45, and by homecoming, the boosters are going to be screaming, "Let Bobby call, let Bobby run the sideline for the rest of the year," and then we're going to miracle eight wins, and I'm going to get a contract extension. Bobby's going to Bobby's going to toss Jimbo. It's good. Somehow it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, oh, that that was my first thought. Is you know they always talk about watch about you know your homeboy trying to snake your girl. Mm, Absolutely, Bobby Petrino is going to be in the ear. He's going to be that guy. He's going to be that guy. <laughs> Secretly campaigning <laughs> with that booster because oh, yes. I feel like the Bobby Petrino hire was a big Texas A and M booster connection. Of all Absolutely. the names you could have picked out to head to College Station for that kind of money. That makes me like it just goes to show the boosters have immense influence because they got immense power. Yeah. Hey, but I tell you what, though, the thought of Bobby Petrino with Ruben Owens, like giving Bobby Petrino that weapon, like I've seen Bobby Petrino run an offense where he had superlative running back talent. 
And Bobby knows how to – I mean, you know, I know that he definitely got into that pass-happy stuff and, you know, had the Lamar Jackson stuff. But Bobby can coach with a running game. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very interested. Like, Texas A&M is going to be the most interesting team in the SEC. They better win. I, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be an what they, What do they call their fans? The Yell Boys? Uh, the Holland Kings? What is it? The twelfth man. The twelfth man. That's the twelfth man. man. The twelfth man. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby will throw him under the bus too. Yeah. <laughs> I just anytime that Bobby Petrino gets a job, I think of that that story in, in Natural Born Killers about the woman who nurses a uh, frozen snake back to health, and then the snake bites her, and she says, "Why'd you do that?" And he says, "Cause I'm a snake." That's yeah, like, right? Exactly. That's what I think of every time somebody's like, here's Bobby's redemption arc. Hey, you no. Get, you get what you get. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's go ahead and get into this national championship game. TCU off the strength of an upset victory over the Michigan Wolverines, sending John Harbaugh into a tizzy, a tailspin, and now his program is under investigation. Georgia coming off a storybook comeback. Uh, just an unbelievable uh, play by Stetson Bennett in the second half. Uh, to lead the the Bulldogs, uh, you know, to the just the brink of just jubilation that they came back and beat Ohio State, the national championship game. Georgia is a twelve and a half point favorite in the national championship game. Just no respect for TCU. This is a bigger spread than Georgia had last week versus Ohio State. Like, TCU is definitely Rodney Dangerfield in this situation. They're getting zero respect. It's going down on Monday night, Leanne. Please, please, please give me your thoughts on this and, and that huge point spread also. Well, you hit the man in the head with that with the point spread. I was thinking, man, you, you know, TCU ain't getting love. They're still not getting love. You know, there's still people talking how, how they're here. I said, well, they found a way to win. But Georgia's also, a lot of people are saying that Georgia's not that 2021 team, and how are they here? How can they do it? Do they got enough gas in the tank? I will tell you, I like TCU coming into this one with those 12 points especially. I really thought it was going to be, a, you know, maybe eight, nine points. I didn't think Georgia was going to be getting been getting that many points. I like TCU again coming in the underdog spot. So right away off the bat without even having to break down this game, I'm gonna, I, I, say, I take TCU for those 12 points. Mm-hmm. Um Right, right down the stretch. This is going to be an interesting game because you got two teams that are kind of like a mirror image. Uh, two really, really good coaches in Sunny Dice at TCU, of course, Kirby Smart. Nothing flashy about their play. You know what they're going to, you know what's going to come out of the book. You know that they're going to drive long. But the thing about these two teams is they always find a way to win. They, and they, they do it gracefully under pressure and they know how to get out of a tight spot. You know, this, both these offenses are going to produce some points. They're going to keep it close. But like they say, in this one, Defense wins championships, and I think that that ultimately the shine uh, is going to be is going to be the difference maker in this ball game. We know that these two offenses can operate. We know what Stetson Bennett can do. We know what Matt Bennett can do. There's not going to be any sort, uh, you know, any short of an offensive offensive, uh, you know, a game here. It's going to come down to defense. And the thing about Georgia, even though they have the number one defense in the Southeastern Conference, number eleven in the country. They, we've still seen throughout the season that they've struggled. And a, T, a team like TCU that can straight run the ball on you is going to give this Georgia defense trouble. We, like I said, Georgia defense, it's good, but it's not a lead as has been in it. And, and I think they're going to have to really stick on their toes on this one. You know, TCU, they got to jump out the gate early. They rarely make mistakes, but they're going to have to come in all cylinders. We already know they can get you through the ground. They can get you through the air. Like I said, nobody's questioned the TCU offense or the Georgia defense. 
I mean, the Georgia offense, but like I, but TC is really going to have to fire on all cylinders, especially mm-hmm. they're really going to have to strum up. Like I said, it's going to come down to defense. TCU has improved on their defense. They're nowhere in the caliber of a Georgia defense. But what they're going to have to do, it's going to be key today, is make turnovers, and they're really going to have to generate some more pass rush on, the, on Stetson Bennett in, in that Georgia offense, which is hard to do. Like I said, Stetson Bennett ain't going to go come out here and give you an air raid, a fancy show, you know, a high-speed offense, but he's going to be consistent. He's going to get down to the red zone, and Georgia's going to ram it and ram it until they put points on the board. And that's going to wear you down. So you see two teams, like I said, old-fashioned football here. There we go. Hey, Joe, uh, so uh, I, I know Leanne's taking the points. Now, Leanne, are you taking uh, Georgia for the win? Or are you just saying that TCU's not only going to uh, cover the spread, that they're going to win outright? Who do you think wins? You know, I've gone back and forth. Yesterday I called Georgia, but I've been driving back and forth. <laughs> it's totally thinking about this game. Not that I, you know, I know everyone keeps saying Georgia is not that 2021 team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Georgia deserves to be here. I think they are good. I just think TCU coming in in this underdog spot, not getting the credit and everything, I feel like they're going to they're gonna make one bigger play. And if they can substantially improve just a little bit on defense, I think that by a field goal, they might win this. And, again, don't be surprised if this game stays tight, yes. low scoring under those 52 points on the over-under, and it, it could go into overtime. Because I feel like we're not going to get as an exciting match as we did in the semis, but it's going to be a wild and crazy finish. But I like TCU not just to cover, but I think they might roll on Georgia. There it is. There it is. Joe, what are you thinking? I'm not going against Georgia, man. I've, I've been praising them since August. Uh, yeah. Leanne, to your point, that they're not the 2021 team. I agree. This is the 2022 uh, Georgia team. Nicobe Dean's not walking through the door. That's the difference with their defense. They don't have that Mike linebacker that just he's. Yeah, Nicobe Dean truly was a quarterback for that defense last year, and 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 the adjustments that he was able to make pre-snap. That's what the defense has been missing. But again, I keep comparing this Georgia roster is constructed right now to the old Ken Dorsey Miami teams. The quarterback has no Sunday potential whatsoever. But you just look at all the NFL talent around them and go, they'll figure out a way to outscore the other team. Yeah, it, it, It'll all come together. And they have enough players on defense. They'll make the play that the other team can't. I think the uh, point spread is absolutely absurd for a national championship, and I think it's very disrespectful to TCU. So the one glimmer of hope you have if you're a TCU Horn Frog fan is that they could be that team that comes in and says, yeah, we are outmatched. But you talk about them 10 years later and say, remember that team that upset these guys? How did that happen? I mean, at the time when it happened, the Ohio State Maurice Claret team that upset Miami, that was an upset. Nobody saw that one coming in the, mm-hmm. I believe it was the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Um, so TCU could, could show up. Uh, to, also to Leanne's point about their, their sort of mirror image teams, yeah, TCU is a poor man's Georgia. They're they're very disciplined on defense. They don't make a whole lot of mistakes. They they do make they really capitalize when they get a chance on defense. So that's what that's what I'm interested to see, and that's what I'm intrigued by. I think they can make it a ball game, and and they could push it into overtime. And hell, they could get the upset if they make Stetson Bennett look like a Saturday quarterback. And that's where some teams have failed against Georgia is they give you they, they give the appearance of maybe he could play on Sunday. No, he can't. No, he will not. And if he's playing on your team on Sunday, you're drafting a quarterback next year. Um, not a good thing. So if TCU can make some plays on it on the on the ball and make Stetson Bennett look look very Stetson Bennett ish, 
then yeah, they could pull it out. I just I I'm not taking the points, but I'm but I am taking Georgia. Okay. Okay. So so taking TCU in the points, but Georgia for the win. Uh gotcha. No, no problem. Haven Harrison, what say you? I'm gonna take uh, TCU in the points. Uh, but I, I think from watching the Ohio State game, if you look at that last drive, Ohio State really didn't pressure Stetson Bennett. They thought they could rush four and get pressure on like the last two drives, and they didn't get any pressure with their front four. Uh, Georgia's offensive line was stout, and uh, Ohio State looked like they were they looked reluctant to bring any pressure. Conversely, Georgia had no problem bringing all-out blitzes to try to get as much pressure as they could on, on C.J. Stroud to quicken his throws to kind of you know, shorten some of those drives, which I think ultimately is what cost Ohio State the game. I don't think TCU makes that mistake. I think they're going to try to bring as much pressure as they can if they can't get pressure with their front four to try to get some pressure on Stetson Bennett. But at the end of the day, experience, uh, I think, wins out. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Georgia. There we go. There we go. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I was shocked – and how good TCU stood up against what was considered to be the best offensive line in football last week versus Michigan. Um, I, I think that that revelation that they were able to shut down that Michigan run game and really kind of slow them down gave me a newfound respect for TCU. Um, I'm taking TCU and the points, and I am taking TCU for the outright win. What I saw Marvin Harrison do last week to that Georgia defense, that an elite wide receiver just could take over that game. The worst thing for Georgia is the fact that Quentin Johnston is healthy. And when Quentin Johnston has been healthy this year, TCU has been a different team. The reason they lost in the Big 12 championship game, Johnston got hurt. If he plays the full game, TCU will win this game. Um, I love Max Duggan. He reminds me of Jim Harbaugh, the quarterback, the guy that played uh, at the Indianapolis Colts. He was never the most athletic. He wasn't the most you know, gifted passer, but he was a gamer that could figure out how to get it done. So I, I'm going to take TCU by a field goal. The Horn Frogs are wow. celebrating, and they're going to get their first national championship. That's how it's going down, people. But I tell you what, Leanne, I appreciate you. You've been here all year taking care of us um, with the college football picks. Um, so definitely thank you so much for all that you do for us. No problem, no problem. Like I said, it's going to be an exciting matchup either way. Uh, whichever team wins, you know, both teams so deserving of, be, of being here. You know, like I said, I've, I've seen both TCU and Georgia uh, get disrespected. But, man, they, 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 these two teams, the one thing you know about it, even in the uncertainty of this matchup we're going to see, is that they always find a way to get out of a tight spot. It's just who's going to get out of the tight spot in a better, a better way out in California here on Monday night. There we go. Well, hey, for Wake Up 502, Leanne, Haven, uh, Haven uh, and Joe, we're out. Appreciate you guys.